Hey everyone, welcome to the Footprint Futures podcast, where the founders of Footprint, Danny Schultz, and myself, Sebastian Gia, interviewing leading entrepreneurs and sustainability innovators. In each episode, we want to learn from these inspiring changemakers in the climate tech space on why and how to accelerate the world towards a sustainable future. Hello everyone, and welcome to Footprint's podcast. Today we host Hank Rogers, founder and chairman of the Blue Planet Foundation. Through this podcast, you will learn how to raise awareness on a larger scale, how to make your foundation or business an example worldwide, how to find the right balance between business and sustainability, what technology to favor in order to make your foundation or business more eco-friendly, and how to boost gamification to motivate your consumers. Enjoy the podcast. All right. So here today with Brian Linton, founder and CEO of United by Blue. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me, guys. So really excited to talk to you about your e-commerce, how you have been growing that over the period of the, the last years and what's important when it comes to the intersection of sustainability and business. What would be really great, though, for the audience, if, if you could give them a little context around the business that you have started and um, give them some context around the, um, the journey that uh, you've been going through. Sure. So I started United by Blue back in 2010. And what United by Blue is, is a, a brand of sustainable apparel and accessories with a focus on ocean and waterway conservation. So uh, back when I started, the topic of plastic pollution was, was really just in, in, in its infancy. Not many people were talking about it, but my my background and my upbringing was in Southeast Asia, and and I encountered a lot of this firsthand traveling around to the you know the beaches of the Philippines and Thailand and um, you name it around around that region. And so when I came when I moved to the states where where my family is originally from for college, I really wanted to do something that was going to not only create a business uh, but also an impact on the oceans because it became clear to me when I came to the States that this was not just a localized problem. It was, it was everywhere. The, the rivers of New York city and Philadelphia uh, were also loaded with, with plastic pollution when I got here. And, and, and it was shocking to me to see it across the world, no matter where you are, it's an issue. So understanding that and, and, and creating a brand around that was, was the moment that I realized that my, my journey in entrepreneurship was tied to having an impact. Well, that, that makes sense. And uh, of course, we're going to put the link into the description for people to um, explore the, the products. I think it's really great how you yeah, tie your entrepreneurial uh, basically aspects to, to that positive mission. I think what would be uh, really great is to understand a little bit maybe for the audience, what were the initial steps when you were really starting out with your e-commerce? Like, how did you start it out and how did you then grow it over time? What were some of the aspects that helped you to grow it? Growing our, our e-commerce business at United by Blue has been a, a little bit non-traditional at, at first. It was, it was, you know, in 2010, uh, this was a time where, you know, it's hard to, hard to believe it, but that was still in, in earlier stages of e-commerce. And, and so we, you know, I don't, I don't even think Shopify was around quite yet and, and things like that. So, or it was just in its infancy, but we really, we, we were really focused on, uh, 
using our mission and the story around the cleanups and, and getting the community together to, to drive traffic. So we weren't doing anything necessarily um, paid at that time. We were, we, were, we were utilizing our impact and our mission and the, 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 the goodwill around that to drive eyeballs to our initial e-commerce business. And then the second part of our, of our strategy for our, our, our business at the time was really around the wholesale business. So we, we we're not a, uh, uh, you know, we were never a pure play e-commerce business. We've always integrated wholesale distribution into our business model, which in my opinion has been a huge contributor to the brand getting out there. So being in stores across the country and across the world now, we have, we have stores uh, that carry our products in Germany, uh, in, across Europe, and people can interact with our product in person and then, and then find more about us on our website. And that's a very logical way to think about it. But I would say that there was a moment in time, probably from 2010 to, to recently where, you know, people were beating on the drum of e-commerce only, you know, like don't, don't even worry about the rest of the offline world because it doesn't matter anymore. That's changed recently. I think the last few years, people have realized all the D2C native brands that started and, and, and were, were the ones beating on that drum have now realized that they need to open stores to acquire customers more affordably because digital CAC is so high. They need to work with wholesale distribution because other people can, can now distribute their products and tell their story and, and therefore omni-channel business growth as well comes into play. So we were always sort of on that, on that line. I'd say that uh, wholesale distribution is probably our number one, you know, acquisition strategy at this time. And it was, it was back when we started as well. When you started out in, in 2010, climate awareness was not as high as it is today. For sure. How did you address this challenge? You know, it's, it's funny. We started the business the same month that the BP oil spill happened in the Gulf of Mexico, where it was the Deepwater Horizon BP oil spill. And so at that moment, there was a, there was a high awareness for uh, what was going on in the oceans. It wasn't necessarily about plastic. It was about oil, but they're both similar in a way. Plastic is made from oil. And uh, the, you know, the, the awareness factor, I would say for the environmental work that we do has always been under the, the, the sort of model of keeping it simple. And we recognize that climate change is real. We recognize that, you know, we were a part of hopefully the, the transition to more climate awareness and overcoming some of these challenges that humanity is facing. However, we've never really stepped out of our lane when it comes to what our focus is and what we're telling our customers about and what we're talking about. And I think that's critical because it's a, it's a heavy, challenging, weighted topic to say, hey, let's change the world by reducing our carbon, you know, carbon sequestration, let's, you know, let's, let's address this and that and the other. Whereas we're just like, hey guys, let's clean up this place. You know, let's, let's pick up some trash together Let's make the world a cleaner, better place together through community. And I think that because we've been so simplistic in our mission and so focused on that singularity, we've been able to really break through the noise and also not create any sense of us versus them or any controversy in, in, in what we're doing because nobody 
and I, I know it's silly that there is controversy in environmental work, but nobody can argue that a dirty river or a dirty beach is a good thing. Like, I, I, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that said, no, no, the plastic should stay there. It's really good for the fishes, you know, <laughs> like they, it's not controversial. Like, so our mission in a way has been the, the shepherd for sustainability and the shepherd for environmental awareness. I am very proud of the fact that I feel like we could use United by Blue as a stepping stone to greater environmental awareness and not try to skip to, you know, holy shit, the world's warming up. What are we going to do? You know, that, that, that'll come for people that are, that are going through the process of discovery. Makes a lot of sense. What do you see are the ma major challenges combining those environmental aspects and the business aspects in your case? So our, our mission is to remove a, a pound of trash um, for every product that we sell. And, you know, therefore we've removed millions of pounds of trash because we sold millions of products at, at this point. And the, the challenge recently has been obviously scaling that mission and being able to not just rely on getting, you know, dozens or hundreds of people together to go out to a, a river and pick up trash, but it's about, you know, as we scale this business into having to remove not just millions of pounds of trash over the course of 10 years, but millions of pounds of trash in the course of a year, It's about being a lot more strategic with addressing these issues, which are massive in scale. So, so ocean and waterway pollution, you know, has, I mean, there's, there's billions and trillions of, of pounds of, of waste that have accumulated in our oceans and our, and our waterways. So it's not that there's not an unaddressable amount, but it, it does become a lot more strategic in how we address it. So we've started to work a lot more with municipalities and the governments to basically address high, high impact areas like high like concentrations of trash that have become accumulating in certain areas, whether or not through illegal dumping or, or just by, by way of flowing there. Um, so a good example of that is a couple of years ago before COVID, we organized uh, like a big cleanup of this island in the middle of the Delaware River, which is a river that flows right by Philadelphia. And it's, um, it's a really big river. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge waterway that goes out to the Atlantic Ocean, um, unfortunately, oftentimes taking a lot of trash. And so this island gets all of this trash basically swept up on it because when the, the river's tidal, so it, so it rises and, 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 and lowers, and it also, you know, will flood during, during rainstorms. So all the trash gets, gets pushed up onto this Island. And we went out there and I forget the exact amount, but it was like, you know, hundred thousand pounds of trash that we had to remove. And we had to coordinate with barges. We had to get tap like municipal approvals and, and support and everything like that. So, you know, huge efforts like that now, are what we're focused in on, as well as our community cleanups, as well as cleanups internationally, installing um, booms in rivers, uh, like in Indonesia, to, to divert trash from being, being carried out to the ocean. Because that's the key is all this trash that's coming out into the ocean. Everybody talks about the ocean plastic, but nobody talks about necessarily, people think that there's this notion that people are littering on a beach and that's where the ocean, that's almost all of the trash that's in the ocean came through a river. So stopping it at that source is, is a critical component. And that's why we address rivers oftentimes more so than even beaches. Seems to make a lot of sense. Like how many projects are you doing actually yourself and, or are you doing all of the, the projects yourself? Or are you also kind of seeking help for all the cleanup you're responsible for? You know, prior to COVID, we were doing 100% of the cleanups were organized and hosted by United by Blue. So we would have United by Blue employees at every cleanup, 
coordinating the details, coordinating the volunteers and or paid uh, staff or employees. After COVID hit and those larger scale cleanup or those larger community driven cleanups that would get hundreds of people out became challenging or not feasible. We've started those up again uh, just this year and, and they're going well. Getting you know 100 people out to a cleanup now is, is refreshing and, and great to see and it's an outdoor activity so everybody's happy with it. But we did have to look elsewhere and we started to, we did start to partner and this is where some of the overseas efforts have come into play. We've, we've been funding directly via nonprofits the, the, the acquisition and purchase of equipment that is being installed in rivers to basically uh, passively divert trash so instead of having an active cleanup all the time, having these boons that are that are that are taking the trash from floating out to the ocean, accumulating it, and then being able to go and paying people living wages in Indonesia to go and collect it via a nonprofit partner is 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 one component of our of our cleanups. That's awesome. Um, I mean, and then you know, I think materials play a big role, right? So you have actually you're using very specific materials for your products. Uh, and I think over the years, I think you have learned, I think what works and what, what doesn't when it comes to these materials, right? How is that process looking like when it, when it comes to these recycled materials and, uh, what was your learning there over all the years, basically when it comes to using them in your products? A good question. You know, when it comes to materials, I'd say back in 2009, 2010, when we were developing the first product line, something as simple as organic cotton or recycled polyester was uh, innovative in a way, like it, it seems strange to say that because you see organic cotton now at H and M or you know Zara or any any of these like mainstream retailers, which is great that people are starting to embrace sustainability in that sort of basic form. Um, but my belief on on product development and sustainable supply chains is that sustainability is not a status quo. Like you can't just look at sustainability in a moment of time and say that is sustainable. And that is as sustainable as things will be. So for us, it's really about constantly evolving our viewpoint on sustainability and not just ever being complacent to say, hey, in 2010, we were leading the charge when it came to using organic cotton in t-shirts. Everybody else was still using conventional other than a select few brands. And um, so, so my, goal with, my goal with material and sustainability is to always be one step ahead and pushing forward because you need vanguards and you need, you need leaders to basically always be trying and experimenting with different things and never saying, oh, we nailed it. That's how it's going to be forever. Because I think the reality is, is that, you know, 10 years from now, you look back at the, at the way we're doing things now and you're saying like, what the hell? Like that wasn't that, that wasn't that good. Right. I think right now I look back, you know, 10 years ago and I say, man, people were so like excited and like, and even like five years ago, I'd say like people were so impressed by like recycling water bottles into t-shirts. And even now still people are impressed by that, but I'm not impressed by that. That's like, that's, and we still do use recycled polyester. Don't get me wrong. I'm very honest about some of our shortcomings, but it's a synthetic material that's derived from oil, petrochemicals still. And it's still, it's still, a, in, in, in my opinion, not a sustainable source for apparel and accessories to use. Um, it's better than using virgin but but it's still a petrochemical derived product even if even if it's recycled so we have to wean ourselves away from that and that's what sustainability is about it's not about you know saying 
wow, we solved all, all of our plastic pollution problems because we're making t-shirts out of it now. It's like, no, how do we get A away from that? And how do we then get to a more sustainable future by finding maybe alternatives in the natural world that can provide the same quality that people are looking for when, when they're using it in the synthetic world. Um, so, you know, we've, we've used a lot of different materials over the time. Some have worked, some haven't, but you know, some of the stories that I really like are around like natural fibers and, and, you know, things like uh, Tencel, which is made from eucalyptus tree pulp is, is, has been around for a number of years now and is getting more widespread use, but that's a beautiful, beautiful material that we love to use. And is, 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 is very sustainable, similar to what people think of for bamboo, but bamboo is really not a great material to use because of how much chemicals it takes to treat. And then alternatively, there's also materials that we've developed on our own, like American bison fiber, uh, yarns and insulation, where we actually have diverted a waste product from the ranching industry in the U S and Canada to, to into our jackets as insulation. Um, so things like that. And does that rec like, how is that process of experimentation working for you? Is that, do you have to build up a lot of prototypes? Is it a lot of collaboration with different suppliers? Uh, is it, um, you have a lab where you kind of experiment with different materials. How is that, uh, prototype and experimentation process working for you? Sure. Some of it is, um, prototype and, and development driven by our team. Some of it is collaborations with the factories that we work with, which we work with some of the best factories in the world for sustainability. Um, you know, we work with one factory out of Asia. That's probably the, the foremost expert on hemp, for instance, and utilizing hemp fiber in garments, which, you know, believe it or not in the U S was like, growing hemp and, and, and make, even like utilizing hemp as a fiber was like not really a thing until a few years ago because of regulation against it. And so now we're really, we're really pushing hard to put hemp in a lot of our garments, but we're not hemp experts, but our factory partner is. And that's, that's a critical component is this idea that sustainability is only possible with collaboration, deep collaboration. Um, I'm a big believer in collaboration over competition. I think that You know, all of the brands in this mission space or the sustainability space are ultimately a fraction of the size of, of, of market leaders. And so we, we really shouldn't even worry about the competition within our, within our industry or within these mission brand aspects or brands. We should, we should really be concerned about how do we advance our initiative together collectively for, for a greater good. Um, and when we're all billion dollar companies, maybe our mindset changes. But at that point, we've done so much good. And the world is starting to evolve towards a more sustainable future that, you know, then we can worry about those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and I also really love what you said uh, in your question earlier that, you know, sustainability is not something that you earn once and then you can keep it. It's a consistent process, right? It's, it's never done, right? You always seek to how you can improve it and actually uh, be better considering that, Uh, what do you think are the next steps in terms of you know, sustainability materials? Uh, or is it maybe not in materials area where you say like, no, it's not so much in materials, it's maybe in other parts of the business where you want to emphasize more the, the topic of sustainability, where you think is the next phase for you to, in terms of next level sustainability? So for United by Blue, I think that our next sort of level of sustainability or next, next phase of growing our sustainability mission is to make sustainability more accessible and inclusive. And what I mean by that is that historically sustainability has been 
a, a premium product, right? Anything sustainability oriented has been for largely a non-diverse upper echelon income level of society. And that's changed as, 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 as you know, younger generations have wanted sustainability more. Um, I've seen the evolution of it over the last 10 years firsthand, but it's still, still today, it is a premium. And, and I recognize that. And I think that the only way to really advance sustainability and make it, utilize it for the greater good of the world is for the world to be able to participate in it at scale. And so United by Blue as a brand, you know, we're, we're, we're really working on ways to make it more inclusive and sustainable um, or, or in, and scalable. And an example of that is one of the things we've been working on is, you know, supply chain improvements that do make a, you know, a product that can compete with a non-sustainable alternative. It has to get there, right? Like if, if, if price discrepancies are there, um, which there, there, there is still, and, and it's always going to be there until, until sustainability materials are, are produced and grown at scale. Uh, but, but I see a future where that's happening. And, and, and so we're working with like mainstream retailers now, like Target in the US, which is a big retailer, you know, $100 billion company here. Um, they've never really worked with a brand like us, but we've, we've entered that market to bring uh, a lower price point collection of United by Blue called the Impact Collection to Target. Um, and that is, that is a part of our mission to advance these, these initiatives and to also engage with a more diverse and even, even uh, all levels of income by way of partnerships like that. Makes sense. One question you, you mentioned earlier that like sustainability or incorporating sustainability is a continuous process. How are you making sure that it is really taken care of also on a continuous basis? Taken care of in terms of? Like that, it, that you really continuously uh, seek the best um, options and the best um, alternatives there are in terms of sustainability, like either be regarding the product or regarding operations, transportation, logistics, whatsoever. There's a few things that help us do that at United by Blue. One of them is, you know, we are always, we are always looking and our, and our product team and myself personally, and my, my, my designers, you know, making sure that we're constantly having open ears and open eyes to what is going on out there. We recognize that there's some areas of innovation that we can, we can pioneer and spearhead, but there's other opportunities where, you know, our, our factory might be, the best source of knowledge because they're on the ground developing these things or a brand partner, somebody that, you know, one of our peers in the space might, might say, Hey, like, have you seen what's going on over here? They're making, you know, they they found a way to do this with that. Um, so it's, it, honestly, it's just being open-minded and, and never having a closed, a closed off mindset that this is the way we do this product. And this is the way it's always going to be done. So product development and the idea that, you know, we're, we are a, lifestyle brand we're not like this this like you know technical outdoor brand and that gives us a lot of opportunity for experimentation it's like try something if it doesn't work we try something else and and that's what sustainability is and so that and then internally i think one of the things that we we, we do as well is we've been a b corporation for almost 10 years which is you know uh, uh, the the certification for social and sustain social and 
uh, social and environmental responsibility. We were one of the first 300 B Corps. Now there are thousands and thousands globally. Um, so that also helps us look at the internal workings of the company, both on a sustainability, a governance, an environmental side of things. And we have to renew that certification every couple of years. And so I have a sustainability manager within the company, a full-time person that's basically just focused on all the internal initiatives, B Corps, uh, our partnerships with, with, with larger companies where we're, where we're working to, to help them do cleanups and things like that. Um, so it's just an ever going process of evolution and, and, and focus on sustainability. So one person really taking care of it solely as a sustainable. Yeah, solely. Yeah. One, one, one person is dedicated. She's the, she's our sustainability person within the company. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, for, for, for a smaller company like us, you know, that's a full-time dedicated salaried role. And, um, you know, and, and, and she's not the only one focused on it, but she is the guiding light for, you know, beating on the drum day on and day out about it. One other question, like, how do you define, like, on which criteria um, do you define with which brand you're, you're actually collaborating? Yeah, that's a good question. So we, we work with a lot of different companies, brands, uh, organizations, and the, because uh, to explain a little bit, United by Blue is both our own brand. It's United by Blue product apparel, accessories, uh, you know, we, we run stores in Philadelphia with coffee shops in them. So we, we have a big coffee business. So we have this brand, United by Blue, um, that in and of itself is, is, is a substantial business. But then about 18 to 20% of our other sales come from these brand partnerships. And we sell, so we'll sell even some of our competitors, like we have them on our website or in our stores selling their wares and their products because we want to sell and we want to introduce our customer to the best in class sustainability products out there. We want to be the discovery platform for sustainability. We want to introduce people to what we believe in. And, um, and that's worked really well because we are a trusted source in authentic, we are a trusted authentic source in sustainability. And so when we look at brands that we, we might want to look, we might want to carry You know, we have a good, I'd say, BS lens. Like, like we can look at a brand just because we're experts in this space and immediately identify ones that are maybe faking it or, or not truly authentic. And what we look for is not just brands that are using a, a sustainable material and trying to get consumer credit for that. Because I think a lot of people just do that. They're like, you know what? I'm going to start a brand and I'm going to use like organic cotton and recycled polyester and all this, you know, jargon for sustainability but like but but that's not enough right like if you're in my opinion if, if you're just using what's out there and you're just and you're and you're not really building a brand or a business around doing something more for the world than just using sustainable materials you don't have you don't have a you don't really have a purpose um, and you're still having a negative environmental impact so I, I always look for brands that are deeper than the materials that they use and they have They have a heart and soul when it comes to their mission. And so some of those things that we look for are, you know, B Corp certifications. Uh, are you maybe, maybe they're members of 1% for the planet, which are brands and businesses that dedicate to give 1% of their revenue, not profit revenue to um, environmental organizations that are, that are helping the planet or maybe climate neutral, which are brands that have made a, uh, uh, have basically gone carbon neutral by offsetting all of their carbon emissions uh, in, in the operations of their company. 
So those types of activities, those are putting your money where your mouth is and making sure that you're not just, 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 just doing things. Then it goes even deeper than that. Then we look for, are you a, you know, what, what type of factories are you using? Are they, are they fair trade? Are they, uh, what type of cert- certifications do they have? You know, are, are, are you transparent about who you're using and where you're making your products? Um, the list goes on and on, but we have, we have like, I'd say eight to 10 qualifiers for brands that we're looking for. And I think that the, 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 the most important thing is like, are you leaving, are you trying genuinely trying to leave the world better than you found it? And if you're, if you're trying to leave the world better than you found it and, 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 and you can show us that we want to work with you and we want to do something together on the flip side, we work with bigger companies that maybe are, are trying, but they're not there yet because they want to do a cleanup. Like for instance, we worked with, um, Corona beer, uh, this year, and we did a big cleanup in Miami where they hired us essentially to be their, to be their, their partner in, uh, their effort to start a campaign called the fine, uh, uh, protect, protect our beaches or protect your beaches, um, campaign because it's Corona beer is all about the beach, like beer and, you know, their marketing is all about the beach. So they're like, Oh crap, we should probably clean up the beaches. We should do something good for the ocean. Um, and, and so we were able to work with them removing 30,000 pounds of plastic from the mangroves in Miami because of our expertise and our, and our experience. And we were able to monetize that as a business by, by basically making that a service. And so when it comes to these bigger opportunities and these bigger companies, we want to help larger corporations also sort of do some internal soul, soul searching to, to, to transform them from the inside out. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And uh, thanks for sharing the, the overview on like the criteria and like how you choose that. I think it's always a, a super interesting question. You already talked about materials, basically, and sort of certificates, et cetera. But obviously also transportation and packaging is also an important aspect of you know, making your, your business more sustainable. Any learnings in the last 10 years based on how you approach transportation? Uh, obviously, you're working, you already said you were, you're trying to work with different supply chains, basically, or different uh, manufacturers, et cetera. But then also when it comes to the packaging, any kind of learnings uh, you had on that, how to make that more sustainable? For sure. Um, you know, on the packaging front, that's been a journey. That's, that's been a, that's been a a very, very interesting journey because from the very beginning, 2010, the very first products that we brought in, I brought in with, without uh, poly bags, poly bags are basically what everything gets wrapped in that shirt that you're wearing came from a factory in a plastic bag. At one point, maybe you bought it in the store, the, 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 the store staff in the back room took the bag off, threw it away. Um, but everything, almost everything comes in a poly bag from a factory, which means that trillions of poly bags are used annually to transport product throughout the world. And that was a big issue for me then. Now, my journey with that has been, has been long and winding because initially we used, I used banana fiber paper, um, to wrap our, our shirts in. And I used that for a couple of years and, and gave up on it because it was so complex and complicated and was hurting some of the product and also causing some issues with our, with our, with our retail partners. And so we went to a, like a quote unquote biodegradable plastic. And we used that for a few years before I realized that that was BS, like the, the, the biodegradable plastics, it was a still a lot of issues with that and not necessarily means that, Hey, you should just 
throw it out and it degrades. It's still, it's still petrochemicals that would break like a lot of issues. I won't go into those details, but then we evolved into um, trying to just reduce the poly bags by, by, by doing one master poly bag plastic around the cartons and not, and not individual garments. Then you had issues with the, the, the clothing, not being folded, getting to places, being messed up. So then we went to rolling apparel and banding them with a single paper 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 wrap with a barcode on it, um, and that worked really well for for a little bit. And uh, but the evolution of that was now we're working with a a, a paper bag manufacturer uh, that makes this bag called Bella Bags, and all of our apparel now is coming in this beautiful, almost translucent uh, paper that is more expensive than plastic but it is a hell of a lot better and it is hundred percent paper and it's still lightweight. So it's not adding a lot of weight in terms of transport costs or anything like that. And um, so that's been a long journey of, of discovery for us to how to get out of using plastics. And we've been able to reduce our plastic usage in general since 2018, about by about 80 to 90% in the company. So we, 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 we stopped using things like plastic tape. We stopped using like, uh, you know, we don't use any plastic uh, like uh, fasteners or, or 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 anything like that. There is still plastic in the company, and that's how just how hard it is for us to eliminate packaging and plastic because it's so um, prevalent in everything that you do, and it just shows up sometimes. It's just like ah shit, we didn't we didn't talk to the factory about you know that piece of plastic, and it's you know now we have a hundred thousand pieces of that plastic that just arrived at our warehouse. So it's like. It just happens. Plastic happens. Like <laughs> that's the world we live in. So it does take a, a concerted effort to reduce your waste and to reduce your packaging. Um, as you know, from probably getting products and, you know, you, you don't have a say in that. So it has to, it has to start from the supply chain at the very beginning in companies like us demanding and working with our factories to reduce the plastic packaging. Um, transportation wise is another story. I mean, you know, we do produce products all over the world because we believe the best way to be sustainable is to make the best products possible in the most sustainable way possible. And that means that you have to find the best factories for that. Um, you know, in a perfect world, you would make everything dom domestically, not just domestically, but locally. Like, you know, we would make everything in Philadelphia, you'd make everything in Munich and you, you, you'd make it from crops that were grown there and everything like that. But, but the reality is, is that that doesn't work. And so, um, so we work with the best factories and certainly logistics and transportation is, is a huge concern of mine and the sustainability community as a whole. Um, you know, things like uh, optimizing your shipping to make sure that most is going by boat and less is going by air, but we're a business and sometimes things need to be rushed and it has to go on an airplane. So we're, we're, we have reduced a lot of our air shipments we're filling up 40 foot containers now, which is, a, which is an important thing. So instead of having a, a container half full transported across the world, you know, it is full. Like, and, and, and that's, that's a part of becoming a scalable, sustainable business is, is looking at how to optimize things to have the least amount of impact possible, but then do more in return. Like we know we're having an impact on the planet. We know we're doing negative things when it comes to making any product, even the most sustainable product, you know, still has a carbon impact right now. And for us, it's about 
how do we then use our, our mission and our business to do a greater good in return? Is it the same, is it the same quid pro quo return? You know, is, is the impact that we're having with shipping internationally the same as picking up trash? No, it's different. But we believe that our mission of removing a pound of trash is actually a greater return than the impact that we're taking. Focusing a little bit on the customer also, like are there any trends and needs you currently see in your customer in regard to sustainability? I'd say that the trends and needs of, of people are, especially our con consumer that's, you know, millennial and Gen Z, uh, you know, th they are genuinely looking now more and more for quality over quantity. And they're looking for, uh, you know, experiences and enjoyment of the outdoors and health and wellness more so than a ton, a ton of crap. And so, and then they're looking for tools to live a more sustainable life. You know, they want, they want, they don't want to be the crunchy granola hippie uh, that they, that they grew up thinking was a sustainable person. Like that's, that's the notion of sustainability for some people. Um, but it doesn't have to be like that. You know, you can be fashionable and, you know, well-dressed and, uh, a not spend a not spend an arm and a leg, but also not be, you know, negative uh, to the environment. You don't have to be, you know, living in the forests. And so, I think the trend towards more mainstream sustainability and more accessible sustainability is is, is what we're really seeing. It's also, like I said, it's it's true sustainability only comes from buying less stuff and having better quality stuff. So everything that United by Blue makes aspires to be something that you're not just going to wear for one season and then, and then throw away. Uh, you know, this shirt is from two years ago and it's United by blue and I'm still, I'm still wearing it. I know that you can say that for plenty of other fast fashion companies too, but like the quality difference is notable. And when you have quality, you hold on to it and you have less impact as a result. And that's a huge trend right now. I think that, you know, I hope that fast fashion is a dying industry because it's a horrible industry for the planet. Textiles pollute the planet so much and create so many hardships and issues for the world and the workers that are making those products. And so we got to make things better and we got to make things better quality because that's the only way to really true sustainability. In that regard, which are the most common questions you're receiving from your customers? You know, our customers are most often asking a lot about now more and more they're so educated and they're, they're, they they know so much about um you know sustainability in, in a way that they're really curious about how we're making things where we're making things um we have a lot of good resources on our website about that but we are trying to add more and more we have no secrets to hide so we're, we're just willing to share whatever we can again with the notion of collaboration over competition um, That's a huge thing that the customers are, are asking. And, and they're also asking for, um, for more. I mean, they, they, they want to see more out of us and, and they want us to develop more, more, more products and sustainability uh, and, uh, and offer them, them more opportunities to live a sustainable life. And that's what we want to be. We want United by Blue to be their go-to source for sustainable living. Yeah. Now we talked a lot about uh, obviously your your business and and how to make that you know, more sustainable and all the things that you're already doing in regards to sustainability. If you think about maybe your own 
sustainability in your own life. Is there anything particular that you try to adopt, any kind of hack or kind of behavior that you're trying to incorporate in your life? Yeah, it's a good, it's a great question. I mean, I, I'm certainly not perfect. I mean, I've, you know, I make mistakes all the time, but I think that the one thing that I, I definitely try to do, and, you know, these are, these are easy rudimentary things that everybody should be doing now, but, you know, don't buy anything in a plastic bottle. You know, we, that's, that's something that I'm, I'm really adamant against, you know, my kids, uh, too, like I have two kids and like, we, they take their stainless steel bottle everywhere they go. We never have them, you know, drinking juice boxes with plastic straws or anything like that. And, it, and it's not hard, you know, it's, it's really simple stuff, but it just takes a little bit of consciousness to like, you know, recognize that you're having a, a negative impact by doing those things. Um, I'd say also, you know, I, I know this is again, not novel or innovative, but biking, you know, I went from driving a lot in the city to biking everywhere. Uh, that's critical for me. I have nothing really like that. I could say that I do extraordinary for sustainability that, that I wouldn't expect anybody to, to, to any of your listeners to be doing themselves. But I think that it really just comes down to, for me, watching our, 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 you know, our family's amount of waste, it is shocking to me still on trash day to see how much my family produces. And that's, that's, that's an issue, right? That's a real issue. Um, you know, things like composting, we're trying hard on, um, reducing our waste, recycling, although recycling is a big issue right now, especially in the U S with, with, with a lot of this not happening. So you can't just use plastic and hide under the notion of recycling anymore. It's about not using it in the first place. And that, that, that's a huge thing for me. So much plastic is consumed by sustainable people that put it in the recycle bin and think that that's the, that's, that's the qualifier for being sustainable. And it's not, you might as well, I hate to say this, but like in many, in many municipalities now, like they're not even recycling it because there's no infrastructure to recycle it. So that frustrates me, obviously. Um, but yeah, yeah, a lot of that stuff. Buying locally, you know, buying food, food supply chain is is critically important. So, um, you know, trying to buy, you know, I drove by a little little, little like a seven year old farm stand. He's he's out there selling his vegetables from his garden. Man, they were overpriced, but I bought some, and like it made his day. But it also was like the perfect local, you know, purchasing that the world is missing. You gotta, you gotta, you, we gotta have more local food sources that I think are being developed. That's not my mission in life, but I think that that excites me a lot when I see people trying to figure out how to grow food locally, whether or not that's fish or vegetables or otherwise. So a lot of that is exciting to me and I'm, I'm going to be a big supporter of that as that evolves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was plenty, Brian. Definitely, I think a couple of topics, I think. And uh, I mean, it's, it's also for a lot of people, it's overwhelming, right? So then, uh, like, where do you actually start, right? And I think, as you said, I think it's also important to celebrate the, uh, the imperfect, right? Because I think it's good that, you know, people start and not getting caught up in the, the perfectionism around, like, all the different things uh, that I think have to be considered, right? But at least uh, start. So... Thank you so much, Brian, for, for sharing that and also sharing everything regarding what you're doing with United Blue. I think we would love to continue chatting with you, but I think we need to wrap up the recording here. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing all your perspectives with the audience. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys.